Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Our world is so broken right now. Our community is so shook right now. I watched those videos Friday night. All four of them. And I cried like a baby. Because it's not fair. And it's not just. And it's not right. And those things should never happen to anybody, period. Regardless of race, color, ethnicity, social status, it should never happen to anybody. But we live in a world where Satan has the ability to do what he thinks that he wants to do. And the Bible tells us that the thief, meaning Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he was pretty successful with the life of this young man. That's why it's, we can't play games, church. We can't just come to church and, and pretend to worship God or say we worship God and then go home and live our life however we want to. That's why we have to be, the Bible tells us, sober and clear-minded. Not that we have to just, that's not just talking about alcohol and things of that nature. That's talking about the way that we think, the, our thought processes. We have to be sober and of clear-minded. We have to be in the Word. We have to see what God says about everything that has to do with our lives and other people's lives. We have to be able to look in the Word and know that, you know what, I am I have the mind of Christ. I can do what God says I can do. I am who God says I am. And I can be who God says I can be because no matter what we're faced with, we have that promise and rested assurance that heaven is our home. And that's a sad thing. I saw somebody post, I think it was Cedric the Entertainer, that now, we, now we're having to give celebration and basically award, not necessarily awards, but applause that we make at home that our young men and young women are making at home at the end of the day. That's sin. Sin has entered this, entered this world when Adam and Eve made their decision in the garden. And it's just our world is full of darkness because of that. And that's why it takes what the Bible refers to as a remnant, as a group of people banding together and praying for change and praying for God to give them vision and wisdom on what to do and how to do and when to do. We have to be a part of that remnant. That doesn't just mean one, one church, but as the body of Christ as a whole. We have to, and we are charged with that, that we have to pray for one another, and we have to pray for our community, and we have to pray for change. And we have to be the change. We can't just stay silent. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to protest, but that means you have to talk to God about it. And you got to talk to your, yourself about it. And you got to talk to the people around you and make sure that they, that they know Jesus. Got to make sure that your children know Jesus. We got to make sure that this generation doesn't fall away to the wayside by, because of their, their grandmama and their, and their mama's religion. 
Because the church has hurt a lot of people. A lot of people because we're human and we get it wrong and sometimes people have on purpose got it wrong just to try to further the money in their own pocket or their own social status. And that's why we have to fight and fight and fight. When people find out that we're pastors or that we're ministers, they look at you totally differently and then they judge every single aspect of your life according to what they think a pastor is supposed to be. But they do that to you too because you claim to be a Christian. But how you act when you leave these doors, that's what a Christian is about. We come in here to get recharged and refueled and reconnected. But we're supposed to carry what we experience in here out into our own homes, into our cars, into our jobs, everywhere. This is not the day and age that I would encourage you. I would never encourage this, but this is not the day and age where it's okay to leave your house uncovered with the presence of God. The Bible tells us that we're to take up every day the full armor of God so that we can withstand the fiery attacks of the enemy. Now, I have, I, there was this little lady when Lindsay was in Bible college, and I absolutely loved her, and she loved us and our marriage, and she was a supporter of our relationship when there were a lot of people in our lives that were not. Miss Ronnie, I've never heard a, a woman pray heaven down the way Miss Ronnie Birch could pray. And she wrote a book about the, the armor of God. And she would pray. And she would tell you, you better put that full armor of God on every single day. And I go through seasons in my life where I forget about that or I get lazy with my prayer time. But after this has happened, it was a, a wake-up reminder. Number one, it was closer to home for all of us because it literally was an hour and a half away from where we were. Then we didn't know much about it until all of a sudden now we know more about it, but we were just in Memphis. Just in Memphis at MLK, like just a week after this happened. We were in Memphis, and that's a sobering reminder of, oh my goodness, you can go anywhere. We could go to Walmart right now and something happened. But as for me and my family, it's our responsibility to take control of ourselves. And I have started again every morning putting the full armor of God on. And that's not a physical thing that you do. But it, I pray and I say, God, I thank you for the helmet of salvation. I go through every single piece of armor. And I start at the top and end at the bottom because I want to make sure that I'm covered from head to toe. That when I go out my doors that I know that I have the peace of God that is leading and guiding me and directing me. And that I'm sober-minded and clear-minded. And I'm reminded that my head is covered with the helmet of salvation that is renewing my mind. Because I'm awakened and renewed and stirred at, in the revelation of who I am in Christ. Because he changed me. Because of what he did on the cross. I cover, I put on the breastplate of righteousness because it protects my heart. His righteousness has taken over my life, and I can never be any more righteous than I am right now. Righteousness is not something that I earn. My right standing with God was given to me whenever I accepted Jesus into my life. So I have the right standing. I have the righteousness of God that protects my heart, that protects my body, that protects the, per the, the internal organs. I put on the belt of truth, which is the word of God. His word is truth. That the centermost point of, of my body that holds my garments together is truth because God is true. There is no lie in him. He is the father of all truth. I take up the shield of faith. 
because that is what protects me from when the lies of the enemy comes, my faith in who God is and faith that he will fight for me and he will protect me. When the devil throws his ugliest weapons at me, I take the shield of faith and I say, not to me, devil. No, you don't, because I believe what God says about me. And I put my faith in agreement with his faith. And when I meet his level of faith, nothing can stop me. And I take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word. That's the word. But the Bible tells us that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I love the way Mazzoni used to say it, piercing through the bone and the joint even to the marrow. Even to the middle, the, the middlemost part of the bone. Because what the, what the word of God does is it separates truth from lies. And it's our weapon against the enemy when he comes in and he says, well, did God really say yes? In his Bible, in the word, it says that I am more than a conqueror. It says that I am in Christ Jesus. It's who I live and move and have my being. That I am who he says I am. And then I put the shoes of peace on. Because I don't ever want to go anywhere that the spirit of God isn't leading me. That my feet are always pointed in the direction of peace. That when I have a situation come up, that I'm able to see, you know, I have peace about this situation. Because if I don't, I'm not going. And everywhere, just like Abraham, when God told him everywhere that his feet trod, he would take that land. I want that same power in my life leading me and guiding me that every situation I walk in, that I am filled with God's presence, that I can take that situation. I, whether I win or I don't, I can bear it. Because at the end of my life, I win. This morning, I encourage you to do the same. Put on your armor. Spend time in his presence. Don't go out of your house unprotected, spiritually speaking. And when you're going somewhere, please let somebody know. Please let somebody know. That's wisdom. We're to hold each other accountable, not because I want to be in your business, but I want to know you make it home safe. I want to know that when something pops off somewhere, that I know where all my people are. That I know how to get to you if I need to get to you. Like I said, it's not nosy. That's what family does. We are all family. That's right. Just like I want you all to, we love you all, and I know you love us. And I know you love my boys. And my boys love you all. But let somebody know. Like I said, not just for accountability, but for safety. Because what if something happened one day and the cell phone towers just went? And we don't know where you are. There was some kind of catastrophe. Unfortunately, we live in the day and time where that is a major possibility at any moment. Cyber attack that can just wipe out the cell towers and nobody knows where anybody is. Let somebody know. I know we're young and we feel like we don't have to. Let somebody know. I'm pretty sure Tyree, 29, didn't think he had to always let somebody know, but they knew where he was. And when what happened to him happened within 100 yards of his mama's house. Let somebody know where you are. I've talked enough. I'm sorry. It is. And I, I, 
I know I have uh, lived a different life than the majority of you in here because I am white. And growing up, you don't see that because you weren't, I didn't experience what most of you have experienced in your life. But as I'm older, when I met Lindsay and, and God began to open my eyes to see the things that are just sometimes naturally inbred into us that we don't realize that are not okay. And the actions and attitudes that people have that, that a lot of times are not intentional, but unfortunately it's a, it's, we're a, a cultivation of our culture and the way that we grew up. And things that we think are completely innocent were not innocent. And I've seen that so many times, even with my children being as young as they are, and they've experienced flat-out racism straight in their face. And they don't, they, they don't always know. Kellen's learning more now about it and how to deal with it. But my heart is so broken for our community and our world and just seeing that these type of injustices happen every day and their names don't get mentioned in the media. Their names don't get mentioned in the newspaper, on Facebook. But you know what? God knows their names. And what we have to do is we have to look at our heart Everybody bleeds the same color. Everybody breathes the same way. Oxygen has to enter our bodies through the same methods and oxygenate the blood that circulates through our bodies to help hold our, our organs alive. There is no difference in color. But now that I'm a, Lindsay says I'm woke, and there's times that I still struggle and I still think, see things, but I ask him and I talk about it because I want to know. And I want to be able to help other people and to, to raise my children to know what to expect, what they're going to experience. And we've experienced it. A lot of people don't like Still, we've been married. This year will be 12 years. And people still don't like that we're married. And that's okay. People on both sides of our family and communities and that's okay because Jesus loves them anyway. And I just pray that God reveals to them before it's too late the hatred in their heart. And that's all you can do. But we love you. And we pray for you. And God loves you more than anything. And he sees every tear we cry. He sees every single thing that bothers our heart. Every single overwhelming circumstance and situation, he has already made a way for us to get out of every situation that we're in. So don't give the devil any space in your life, any space in your mind. Don't let him take up any real estate in your head. Because that's God's property. That's God's property. In your mind is God's property. And don't you let the devil plant no seed of distrust, no seed of frustration, no seed of lies, no seeds of being less than. Don't let it take up root in your mind. When it tries to come in, you cut that weed down and you pluck it out from the root so it won't ever grow back again. She's sitting. Oh.
there's nothing really I can add to, but I know the Lord put it on my heart for us to pray for Tyree's family. Amen. So if you'll do me a favor, if you'll just put one hand on your chest, if you're able to, and the reason I say put hand on your chest, why? Because to, to get us to understand the human side of it, he, he was somebody's son. He was somebody's father. He was somebody's friend. He was somebody's employee. He was somebody's cousin. He was somebody's classmate, just like us. We all fall in that category where we are somebody's either son or daughter or parent or employee or employer or cousin. I mean, like to fully understand it. So, Lord, right now, Lord, I thank you. Lord, you said that your spirit is the spirit of all comfort. Lord, I know everybody is 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 in the ears of the mother and the father and the family, Lord. But right now we ask you to hush every voice of the media. Lord, hush the voices of bitterness. And hush the voices of anger and regret, Lord, because all it does is just it just accumulates like a tornado, like a whirlwind, like a vortex and doesn't produce anything good. Right now, Lord, go to the mother, go to the father, go to the family of Tyree Nichols and Lord, release peace. That surpasses all understanding, Lord. They don't they don't understand why they are experiencing so much peace in the midst of pain. Lord, we know that uh, we know that time is not going to be reversed. But, Lord, we thank you that you, Lord, you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, 2 Corinthians 10, 13, Lord. You are providing a way of escape. Lord, showing them that you are walking with them. Walking with them and walking out this part of their life. Lord, show them how to navigate. Lord, we know that you are the great navigator. Show them how to navigate through this time. Lord, each, each and every family member, God. And not just right now, Lord, not just months from now, Lord, but for the rest of their life. I thank you, bitterness. When bitterness tries to rise up, Holy Spirit, you raise a standard up against it. When the words of evil, when the voices of evil rises up, Lord, I thank you. Your spirit rises a standard up against it, Lord. Lord, I thank you for reforming every police uh, precinct in this country, Lord. Lord, this is not a small task for you. It's not an impossible task for you, Lord. This is something more than doable. Lord, when people, I don't care what the media says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the good old boys say. Lord, I thank you. I trust your word, Lord. Lord, your word says that in the right time, you will, you will be making all things new. And Lord, I thank you that there is going to be justice sweeping across this country. Justice, Lord, not, not riots. Not bitterness, Lord, not evilness, not corruption, Lord, but wipe out every seed of corruption. Wipe out every seed of corruption, Lord. I thank you for police reform, justice reform. Reform, God, reform, reform, reform in every precinct, Lord, whether it's a city or a small community. Oh, Jesus, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I I put my faithfulness. I put my faithfulness. I believe so, Lord. Not that you're going to let me down. Why? Because that's not what you do. That's right. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank we'll do the offering at the end. Uh, and definitely just give you a heads up. We'll also today, the Lord put it on my heart this morning to take communion. So we'll take communion at the end. So uh, keep your hearts and minds prepared for that. Uh, we are still in our Water to Wine series. I think we might wrap it up today. I don't know. <sighs> It's, it's been a good, ultimately we've been talking about transformation. Somebody say transformation. 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 Has anybody been receiving anything throughout this series? 
Lord been showing you anything? Hallelujah. I was thinking yesterday and while you're getting your notebooks ready and Bibles ready and if you're still working on the offering envelopes, like I said, we'll do that at the end. But while you're getting your stuff ready, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, you know, because, you know, officially today's, uh, the, you know, yesterday was the last day of the fast. We are fast free today. Um, and I was thinking yesterday, you know, um, the, the devil was kind of beat me up because I was like, you know, there, where, where's been the pivotal transformation moments that I've seen in my life? And I was like, God, oh, you know, I, where, where are those pivotal moments? And I was thinking about how I'm doing my, I'm, yesterday I'm doing my job and I'm not stressed out about it like I usually would be. You know, I'm not, I'm not stressed out about, you know, uh, dropping off packages, don't know what's waiting for me, don't know what, you know, kind of critters waiting on me, don't know what, you know, if the car is going to make it, don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking those normal thoughts. All I'm thinking about is, man, Lord, you so, Lord, you so good. All I'm thinking about is, man, God, thank you for my kids. Lord, even though they may get on my nerves sometimes, even though they may stretch me beyond stretching, Lord, thank you that you've given me them. All I'm thinking about is, Lord, thank you for Drea. Even though Dre is hard-headed and, and stuff, and, you know, she don't want to listen to me, and she, she thinks she could cook, but, you know, I got to beat and all this. I'm just messing with you, Dre. You know, I almost had her eating bacon this morning. I was like, we was close. We was so close. Oh, oh, man, I was, I was trying. I was selling it, too. I'm like, Lord, thank you for Dre. Lord, thank you for Kelsey. And I'm just thinking about these different things just as, I, as I'm working. And then it hit me. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's, 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 that's your transformation power. Right there, shifting, renewing my mind. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, he said that we be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. Somebody point to your mind. This thing right up here, the renewing, those thoughts, those, those, those insecurities we talked about before, the war of inferiority, when the, you know, that begins to die down and you realize that the war has already been won. It's already been won. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross. They put a crown of thorns on his head, symbolizing all the agony that we mentally, uh, we mentally release on ourselves. All, you know, we are our worst critic. We are our worst enemy. You know, Kelsey talked about it last week. And for what I hear, I got to listen. Listen. Woo. Mm-mm-mm. My wife was preaching last Sunday. She, you know, she's like, did you listen to it yet? I was like, no, you know, she's like, well, you're editing the podcast. How did you not listen to it? I said, no, like I'm saving it. Like I'm, I'm saving, I want to hear all of its entirety. I'm just editing the intro and the outro. I said, I'm going to save it for when I'm working. So I'm working, you know, uh, putting letters in a box and uh, I haven't, I'm literally having to pull off on the side of the road so I could type notes. Cause I'm like, oh snap girl. Oh snap. So I text, I said, sucky, sucky girl. You better preach. Fishes and loaves, girl, I don't know what I said to you, but I remember at one point, I'm just, I was like, ooh, ooh. I said, Lord, that hit me. Why you do that, Jesus? So, <laughs> but today, even though we're in the series Water to Wine, today we're actually going to talk about the actual event that happened when Jesus turned the water into wine. Amen? If you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you don't, we'll put it on the screen. It's all good. We're going to be in the Passion Translation. If you don't mind, I'm just going to dive right into it. Verse 1 says this, Now on the third day, Jesus' mother went to a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana. Verse 2 and 3, Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to Jesus and asked, They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? 
Verse four, Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, do it. I like that. Verse six, nobody uh, nearby stood six stone water pots meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. What that means is, let me break down just real quick. The Jewish washing rituals were like when you were to enter in a home. I don't know why we don't do this now. I guess because it's too much work. But, you know, when somebody would enter into a home, there would be a pot of water and a, and a cloth. And you dip your foot in the water and you wash your foot off and take the cloth and wipe it. And then you would enter the home symbolizing several things, but symbolizing one that you were leaving the outside world away. You're washing it off as you was entering into this home. Mm. Maybe, you know, that, and that's one of the reasons we fast. Why? Because we are we are shedding we are shedding all the outside off in order to get down to the nitty gritty to where God can do what he needs to do. Amen. That's not in the notes, so take that. Seven, verse seven, Jesus came to the servers and instructed them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. I just realized you said, let's do that. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. Verse nine, and when they poured out their pitchers for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water had become wine. When he tasted the water to that had become wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed with its quality. Although he didn't know where the wine had come from, only the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves his best wine first <clears throat> until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the cheaper wine. But you, my friend, you reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee that revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Somebody say, Amen. So I, I like that, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the host said, you know, every every wedding party, they, they serve the best first. That way, when everybody's all drunk and don't realize what's going on, then they serve the cheaper stuff. So, you know, and I was like, you know what? No, that kind of makes sense, you know, you know, whatever. If you only got to live in equality. But he said, well, Jesus, you save the best for last. So I want to break I want to break these verses down. But in verse one, literally, it talked about how the wedding, if you didn't know this, the wedding was on. Uh, it was actually on a Tuesday. Why? Because the Hebrew week begins on Sunday. And the third day, the third day is when the, when the wedding was taking place of the week. Fell on the third day of the week. Fell on the third day of the week. Lindsay, why, is, what, why does that matter? It matters so much. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to go full nerd mode for a minute. But the third day, it was chosen as the wedding day in ancient Judaism because it's, it's the third day of creation. It's the day that God said it was good. Amen. Also, the Jews considered this day to be twice blessed. Tuesdays were ideal for Jewish weddings, for that gave the guests time to get there after Sabbath, so after Sunday, and remain there for multiple days. Because a lot of times, weddings didn't just last one hour, two hours. They lasted three to seven days. Three to seven days. I'm like, that's a lot of cake. It's a lot of wedding cake. That's a lot of Spotify playlists. Pretty soon, we're going to be looping the same songs. Like, you know, you can only play, you know, uh, you know, you're going to play happy, get along if you feel like you're going to play that for so long before you're like, I ain't happy. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little frappy. Y'all need to get, y'all need to get out of this house. You know, you ain't got to go home, but you got, you got to get out of here. <laughs> but also, also something really cool was this wedding happened on the third day. Somebody said the third day. 
See, this third day is also a picture of Jesus who rose from the dead on the third day. It's the miracle. This miracle is a revelation of us moving from death to resurrection life, from water to wine. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, oh, I thought it just, you know, so it wasn't just coincidence that Jesus did this life-changing miracle on the third day. It was a picture to show us that, hey, I'm moving from water to wine. Now, not only, you know, we're just going to transfer this pot of water to wine, but I'm showing you that I will, on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. I'm not going to look the same as I once was, but I'm a totally different person. Verse 2 and 3, let's see what it says in verse 2 and 3. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests and attendants, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, watch this, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? A lot of people interpret Mary's words as if we interpret it today, literally saying that re- we, religion has no more to give. You know, because the basis of religion is legalism. And we talked about it two weeks ago. Legalism is when you're focusing on your performance outside of faith. Instead of having faith in God, you're focusing on, okay, am I reading enough? Am I praying enough? Am I, do I look like a Christian? Do I sound like a Christian? Do I, you know, what all oh, my thoughts? My thoughts are impure. You know, you're focusing on everything that you bring to the table instead of just focusing on what he brought to the table. Because if you, if you were to look at the table, the spread that Jesus brings, oh, sooky, sooky. It's a spread that's uncomparable. One of, my, one, of, one of my favorite songs and uh, one of my favorite worship songs that we sing is First Love. The second verse of the lyrics says, there's a table set for you and me. In the song, it never said that I've set the table for you and me, Jesus. No, no, no. The author says, you have set the table for me. Even David said, oh, taste and see. He didn't say, oh, prepare the food so you can taste and see the Lord. No, he said, you taste and see. Why? Because Jesus prepares all the spread, everything that he offers. It is so much more than what your best friend can offer. It's so much more than what your spouse can offer. There's no shots against being married. There's no shots of having friends. But at the end of the day, there is nobody. That's why we were saying that earlier. There's no one that compares to him. No one like you, Lord. No one else in the, you know, can do what you do. You know, we used to sing it a long time ago, but there's nobody greater. I can climb to the highest mountains. Climb to the highest mountain. Search all around and find nobody. You mean to tell me there's nobody on the top of the mountain? That's right. Went down into the deepest valley. Search all around down there can find nobody. Went across the deep blue sea. Can find no one to compare. Your grace and mercy, nobody, nobody greater than you. Do we fully believe that? Do our actions show that, Lord, there is nobody greater. I don't care what my boss says, Lord. I will, I, out of respect and honor for you, Lord, I will, I will respect my boss, but I don't care what opinion they have of me. It's not eternal like you, Jesus. I don't care what the people in high school said about me. Their opinions don't matter. Can I, can I tell you something? We out of the note, so you, I don't know where we're going. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? When God created you, he didn't, he didn't consult anybody else. Amen. Amen. Ah! When he created you, when he created your purpose, when he created your life, he did not consult anybody. You know why? Because he didn't need their opinions. He didn't need their cosigns. He didn't need their approval. He didn't need their authorization. So for you to be who you need to be, you don't need the authorization of everybody else. 
you don't need the cosign of everybody else. For Lindsay to be Lindsay, you know who Lindsay has to consult? Papa. That's all. Amen. You know why? Because I am created in the image of God. I bear his image. If Kellen were to, if Kellen were to go to somebody else and say, hey, who am I like? He wouldn't get the, the, the most truthful answer. Why? Because he didn't come from somebody else. But if he were to go to his mother or his father and say, hey, daddy, what am I like? I can tell him what he's like. Why? Because we have the same DNA. You don't have the same DNA of the people you went to high school with. You don't have the same DNA of the Kardashians or the most popular people in the world. You don't have the, you don't have the, the same DNA of the people on the left or the party on the right. I heard, I heard one Christian organization say, we don't, we, we, don't, we don't subscribe to the donkey or the elephant. We subscribe to the lamb. And I go, oh, I was delivering the mail. I said, yes. You know, I almost wrecked the car. I said, Shalabala, come on, Jesus. Subscribe to the lamb. Oh, I was throwing letters in the box. Bless the mailboxes. <laughs> I slapped. Woo. I, was like, I did. That's right. I blessed the mails. I said, I subscribe to the lamb. <laughs> Listen, listen, if y'all can see me on my routes, man, when the Lord, when I realized, when I I realized that he's in the car with me, it's not that I had to invite him. He's always, he is always with you. I know we say that over and over, but you, if you can grasp this understanding, he is with you all the time. If we can realize that, then what's going to happen? What Paul said in Romans chapter 6, 11, we won't be ignorant to the devices of Satan anymore. You won't fall for the traps of the enemy. You won't fall for the lies of the enemy. When somebody comes up to you and they try to trap you, you'll realize we was watching The Chosen. And I loved it because the episode we was watching, it's, it's a, it, was, it was the point in the scripture where he literally reads the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads the part where it says that I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to raise the dead. I've come to open the blind eyes. And he closes the scroll and everybody's upset. They're like, are you saying you're God? Are you saying that you're the, how can you say that you're better than the law of Moses? And Kelly kissed it. I rose up. I was like, I knew what he's about to say. He stood up and said, I am the law of Moses. I, I started shouting. And then they tried to throw him off the cliff. And just like the scriptures, the Bible, the Bible says that he escaped through the crowd, walked right through him. Why? Because he wasn't ignorant to the devices of Satan. He knew that, hey, this isn't, I'm, I will die, but it's not happening right now. When you are beholding Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to see the plan that God has for you. And guess what? You're going to realize that when the enemy tries to come in, hey, hey wait, this don't match up with God's plan. I'm, we're just going to walk right through it. But that's not even going to phase me. Why? Because it's not a part of God's plan for me. But you don't get that if you're not beholding him daily. You don't get that if you're not focusing on him. Now, Lindsay, I, you know, I have a job to do. I got kids to raise. I got to drive a car. I got, a, I got chores. To do. We're not saying don't do that. Please, you got to do those things. But you could do those things while you are focusing on Jesus. You can fold laundry while thinking about Jesus. You can, you can give your kids a bath while thinking about Jesus. You can drive your car to work while thinking about Jesus. You can be at work and just think, be thinking about a scripture. As you're working, early in the morning, it says, I'll seek you. Lord, early in the morning, it says, I'll seek you. Lord, I don't feel like seeking this morning, but the scripture says it. So if I I were to seek you, what would I see as you're working? 
Lord, show me what I would see. <coughs> Amen. Amen. But I love that because, the, it, you know, if we were to interpret what Mary said, how we ran out of wine, literally we can say that religion says the same thing. Religion has failed. It's run out of wine. The traditions of religion cannot gladden your heart. Your performance, it cannot gladden your heart. A lot of times if you're focusing on your performance, you're going to be sad because you're going to realize you don't measure up. You're going to realize all the shortcomings. You're going to realize, man, I missed it again. Man, I missed it again. With Moses, Moses, you know, represents the law. He turned water into blood, but Jesus represents grace, and Jesus turned water into wine. In verse 4, it literally says, Jesus replied to Mary, My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you. It will change everything for me, for my hour of availing my power has not come. See, Jesus knew this public miracle would bring him out of hiding. Because for the most part, nobody really knew that who Jesus was. I mean, he had, he had a few disciples following him because they seen, oh, snap, we throw our nets on the other side. This dude, all oh, this fish. Yeah, that, that definitely would have been me. Like, oh, Lord, you, you provided food? Okay, I follow. Yeah, I follow, Jesus. I fo- Where you go? I follow. I follow. <laughs> Where you go? I follow. I will follow you. Wherever you may go, I will follow you. But he knew this public miracle would bring him out hot. And that's what he meant when he said, it will change everything for me. So you understand this. Jesus lived aware of his mission. Lindsay, what was his mission? His mission was to redeem. This is good. His mission was to redeem and restore the joyous celebration of the union. Lindsay, what do you mean? His mission was to marry humanity and divinity. His mission was to bring us back to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to bring us back in one, bring us back in union. That's what marriage is. It's union. I don't know if anybody told you. That's what marriage is. It. That's what God intended for marriage to be, union. It's not just enough to be one bank account. No, no it's not just enough to be, you know, to the one bed, one bank account, one house. No, no, one accord to where there's no difference. You know, can, can, I, can I tell you, Kelsey told me the, the other day, or a while back, she said that, you know, I was at work and Miranda and Trinica said, uh, I said, I said a joke, they're like, you've been hanging out with Lindsay too long. Y'all sound the same. That's what marriage is supposed to be. You get around the wife, she sounds like the husband. You get around the husband, sounds like the wife. That's what marriage is supposed to be with us and God. You get around with this Christian, they sound just like Jesus. You get around another, they sound just like Jesus. Why? Because they are in union to where their thoughts are the same. Their thoughts are the same. Their, their heart is the same. Their level of empathy is the same. And unfortunately, for the God that we serve, his followers are so divided. We have so many denominations. So many denominations. Do you believe this? Well, I don't believe it. Okay, well, I can't be with you. Do you believe that? Well, I don't believe it. I can't be with you. What happened to, hey, dude. Do you, do you believe what Jesus, that Jesus was who he said he was? Yes, okay, then I'm going to follow. Unfortunately for the God who has given his entire self, given his son for us, we are still divided, amen? When Jesus said, my hour of unveiling my power has not yet come, he said this because wine represents Jesus. How so? Because Jesus is the true joy of life. He told the disciples, drink this wine, it symbolizes my blood, Amen. And this moment, it wasn't time for him to be poured out like wine for all of mankind. See, the cross, just like wine, he was poured out. When they pierced Jesus, 
when they pierced the wine, when they pierced it, water came out. Ooh. Ooh. There's so much symbolism. I, I encourage you, just because the fast is over, do not stop seeking the Lord. Just because, okay, you know, day one, we back. We back, baby. No. I remember, I remember when, uh, when, we, when I graduated Bible college. I was so excited. Like, yeah, ain't going to have to get up early no more. Ain't going to have to do no more 6 o'clock early morning prayer. You know, because I, was, I, was, I forgot about this until I was typing that paper. But I, uh, this ain't a brag, but I was blessed to be student body president. Student body president had to be the leader. If there was something that, if there was a program, you know who had to be there first? Student body president. <laughs> Bunch of people won't do early morning prayer at 630. Student body president had to be there. <laughs> Student body president had a key. You know, I was so excited when they gave me a key. I was like, yeah, all right. You know, and Pastor Craig explained to me, that means, you know, you know, if there's some here at the church, you're the first one to lock the doors. I'm like, well, what about the ushers? He said, no, that's for church service. This is for school, Lindsay. I'm like, well, can't the ushers go to school? <laughs> Can they come a lot, you know? <laughs> they the ushers, you know? Can they do that? <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> but yeah, I did. But, you know, I, I remember, you know, uh, and when I'm graduating, I'm like, yeah, no matter. I'm like, you know, I'm going to give them my key, but like, we'll bounce, you know? And I remember Pastor Craig saying something so so profound. He said, in, in, in the, you know, the speech that he gave, he said, day one starts tomorrow. And I was like, huh? He's like, everything that you've learned, tomorrow starts day one. That's when you, that's when the, that's when you start applying it. The fast may have ended yesterday, but day one is today. What, what, what did the Lord show you these last 21 days? What did he purge out of you? Day, to, to day one starts today. Are you going to allow that to remain in the ashes of the fire? Or are you going to try to go and try to scound it back up and glue it back together? Because you think it'll make your life better. You think he or she will make your life better. Oh, come on. I'm talking to somebody this morning. What did God burn from you? What did he purge of you that you, day one, this is when the real test starts. Can you allow what God has taken from you to remain away from you? Or are you going to go try to acquire it back? And if you try to acquire it back, you got to use your own strength. You got to use your own performance. You got to use your own tape measure to make sure you measure up enough to get it. Or you can say, okay, Lord, you know what? You've done a work in me. I'm going to let you keep working. And I'm going to keep my hands still. Or I'm going to keep my hands lifted and I'm going to let you keep working. I'm just going to keep beholding. Amen. Verse 5, <clears throat> Mary then went to the service and told them, whatever Jesus tells you to do it, do it. I like that. I like that. You know, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, Mary, Mary didn't have a college degree. Mary didn't have no seminary, seminary doctorate degree. She didn't have no bachelor's degree. She didn't have no high school diploma. She didn't do no night court, no night classes or anything like that. But for some reason, Mary had more faith than most Christians do 2,000 years later. Lindsay, how do you know? Because Mary said this. She said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Church, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. That's what faith is. See, somebody say, just do it. Mary, Mary was Nike before the swoosh. She told them servers, she said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. That's all you got to do. She said, you got one job, servers. You ever been to a restaurant and they mess up and you want to be like, you got one job. Just make the fries. You got one job. KFC, provide the chicken. It's in your name. Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
Not Kentucky Fried, wait 45 minutes. Kentucky Fried, just do your job. <laughs> you got one job. Ah. Church, can I tell you, you got one job. Whatever Jesus says to do, do it. And let's break it down into clauses. Well, Lindsay, if he, what if he hasn't told me to do something new? Then you do what the last thing he's told you to do. That's what make the great ones great. If you haven't heard anything new, can you be faithful with the last thing he told you to do? That's what made David so great. Not the fact that he could he slayed Goliath and not the fact that he cut his head off. No, the fact that when he was anointed king, he did not go and boast. He didn't go flits. He didn't go post, every, post it and tell everybody. He went back to the shepherd field. <coughs> Excuse me, the sheep field. He went back to moving around sheep poop. He went back to defending. The, he went back to where nobody can watch him do these. Nobody, nobody saw him, you know, slay the bear. Nobody saw him slay the lion. Oh, all of y'all know if I slay the lion. Y'all know it. I be calling every one of you. Hey, Jerry, did you hear what I did today? I killed a lion. Your brother, your big brother, your only brother killed. I'll let everybody. David didn't do that. It was just another normal. It was a normal thing for him. Why? Because, hey, I'm just being faithful in the last thing Jesus told me to do. Or the, 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 the spirit of the Lord told me to do. And... <clears throat> Excuse me, Mary literally said that whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. See, in order for the servers to follow this command from Mary, they had to put a halt on their current projects. They had to put a halt on whatever they had currently in their hands. Now, Lindsay, why did they have to do that? That way, the moment that Jesus said go, they were ready. They did. They didn't have to be, you know, if you ever read in the Gospels, literally there's there's some there's some followers that say, Jesus, we want to follow you. And he says uh, uh, and he says, OK, well, come follow me. And they, they say, well, first, we got to go bury the dead. We got to go tell our parents goodbye. We got to go do all that. We got to go take care of all these different things at home and then we'll come follow you. And he said, no, if you want to follow me right now is when it's got to happen. Let the dead bury the dead. And literally what Mary's saying is, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So then servers, they had to realize, okay, if we're, if we're going to be in a state of readiness, oh, we're about to turn up for a minute. If we're going to be in a state of readiness, that means whatever we currently have in our hand, we got to put it down and wait for him. So you notice, you know, the, the most popular songs on K-Love, the most popular songs on uh, gospel BT shows, it's never about waiting on the Lord. You know, you know, you never seen the top 100. I can't wait to wait on Jesus. I can't wait to wait on Jesus. In the silence when I can't hear him, I find so much joy. Nobody sings about that. Oh, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. It's 99 and a half on do. We love to sing about running for the Lord. Oh, I'm running for the Lord. Hey, running. We love to sing about running for the Lord, but nobody loves to sing about waiting on Jesus. But see, we are called to be like those waiters, those servers. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, wait on him. Drop all that you have and be in a state of anticipation. The moment that he says go, you can go. See, have you ever watched baseball before? Oh, uh, see, you, you, if you've ever watched a baseball game before, the, the people that stay in the, outfield, the outfielders, you never see them out there on their phones when the game is live. You don't see them do that. You don't see them out there, you know, checking their emails, you know, you don't see them out there doing their taxes. You don't see them out there streaming Netflix. You, know, you don't see them out there playing fantasy baseball while, while the game is live. 
You know what you see the outfielders doing? Let me tell you what that. They are standing. They're standing beholding the batter on the plate. They are standing with their eyesight fixed upon the batter on the plate, anticipating his every move, waiting. That way, the moment that the ball, the moment that the, the bat and the ball connects and then the ball shoots their way, they are already ready to catch it. We got to be like that to the point that, hey, what, what's God saying? I, I'm not hearing God yet. Okay, well, I'm just going to stay in a position of waiting. I'm not going to make any impulse decisions until he gives me confirmation on to do something. What's God saying? I haven't heard anything yet. Okay, let me go back to what's the last thing he told me to do? Oh, he told me to stay in connection with this person, stay interceding for this person, stay praying for this person, stay speaking life into this person. I'm going to keep doing that until, until he tells me to do something else. What is he telling me to do? Keep serving at this church. Okay, I'm going to keep doing that. What's he telling me to do? Keep serving in this area. Keep doing this job. Keep working this job. Keep showing up early at this job. Keep showing up early at that job. Keep prophesying. Keep praying. Keep believing. What's he telling me to do? I haven't heard anything. Okay, I'm a Wait in a state of anticipation on the last thing. I'm going to watch him until he tells me to do something else. I'm going to search his word until I hear him say, lean to go move to this. Lean to go do that. I'm going to be like the outfielder and I'm going to keep my eyes laser locked on the batter. That way when the ball connects with the bat, I am ready to catch what's coming my way. Day one is today. What's your eyes fixed on? Are you like that? Are you like the outfielder where you're, you're fixed and you're saying, okay, Jesus. I don't care what the world is doing right now, Lord. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm waiting on you. I'm watching. Or are we like, ah, you know what? While I'm here, Lord, you know, let me, let me see if I can knock out a couple, couple things on my to-do list. Uh, you know, while I'm at this church, let me, let me see, you know, let me see, you know, I ain't got nothing else to do. Let me check my phone. While I'm spending time in prayer, I haven't heard the voice of the Lord yet, but I know, I know I'll probably hear something. Let me just check the score on my phone. Let me check my emails. Let me check and see if I got any new notifications. I oh, mean, there was that one video I was going to watch. I'm, Lord, I'm still praying. You know, I'm just waiting on it. I'm waiting. Like Lindsay said, but while waiting. Mm-mm. Uh-uh, church. Be like the servers. Be like Mary. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. In order to be like that, you got to drop the things that you currently have. And it's not that you're ignoring. It's not that you're like, oh, Lindsay, I, I got some projects that, you know, I've, I've put my heart in. Okay, well, guess what? If they're meant, if they are, if they are meant by God, then once you drop them, they're not going to fall on the ground, but they're going to fall into his hands. If that person is meant for you, if you can put that relationship aside, then guess what? When you put it aside, it's not going to fall on the wayside. It's going to fall into his hands. I remember when I met Kelsey, the biggest thing when I told the Lord, I said, before we even, before I even like, before I even try to spit the game, before I made it serious, I said, okay, Lord, me and you, I remember sitting in the Little Caesars parking lot in my little RAV4. I said, Lord, me and you, we have something good. I said, Lord, but if this relationship is going to jeopardize that, then you send her on because I don't want it. I literally said that. Why? Because the Lord had delivered me from some things that she had, she couldn't, she don't have the power to do. And one day I'll maybe, I'll maybe tell all of you some of the things that he worked on me while I was living out there. But I was like, Lord, you have brought me from something. I don't want to go back into bondage by shifting my eyesight off of something. I didn't know anything about the whole gazing upon the Lord. All I knew is I was focusing on the Lord and I was seeing transformation in me. I didn't know how to characterize it. I didn't know how to label it, but I knew that I was spending time with the Lord and he was telling me things. Literally, I'd be in college. He would tell me things. I'd write it on a sticky note and then I would take that sticky note on the wall of my, in my apartment. 
I remember my bedroom, there was just full of different scriptures, full of different things that he told me. And they all be around where my mirror was. I took my mirror down. Can I tell you else? I took my mirror off the wall. And I put all these different scriptures and sticky notes of words that he told me. That way when I would go, when I wake up in the morning, I look at that wall. Instead of seeing my reflection, I saw what he saw. And I said, Lord, if she isn't the one, then send her on. Because I don't want to go back to what was before. So therefore, I was willing to put that relationship on the waist, or I was able to put it on the side, and it didn't fall to the wayside. It fell in his hands. Why? Because it was something meant for me. Are you brave enough to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to fix my eyes on you, and everything I currently have, I'm going to give it to you. And if it's not meant to be, then you do whatever you need to do with it. But if it's meant to be, I know in the right time it'll come right back. See, a lot of times we're not, we're not brave enough to do that. Why? Because we put our heart in the wrong places. We put our dependency on the wrong places. But Mary said, hey, whatever you got going on, drop it. Because when Jesus tells you to do something, do it. Amen. Somebody say, do it. do it. I love this. I love this. So listen to this. Are, let me ask you this question. Are you living your life one command at a time? Or are you making it up as you go? Are you going to live this life by one command of Jesus at a time? Or are you just going to make it up as you go? I, I haven't heard anything, so I'm going to just do this. I haven't heard anything, so I'm going to go do this. I'm going to swipe right. I'm going to swipe left. Hold on. Or can you be like, Lord, what's, you told me to wait. Okay, I'm going to wait. Lord, you say you provide the money. Okay, I'm going to trust you. Lord, you say you're going to grow the church. Okay, I'm going to trust you. That's one of the reasons we fast. It's to crucify our flesh. It's to get out of the way that way we can say yes to whatever our Lord asks us to do. Can I tell you this? The early church, they believed, this is hard to hear, but they believed fasting is an attempt to intentionally take in suffering in order to let Christ forge you and form you in the crucible of pain. They believed that fasting was to purge you from anything that cannot last in God's presence in eternity. Ooh. It makes coffee seem a little bit different, doesn't it? <clears throat> but just like the, just like the, you know, when I was thinking about the outfielder being in the, being in the outfield and fits in his eyes or her eyes upon the batter, you know, I, I, the Lord reminded me of the song we used to sing when I was a kid. We used to sing the song that encouraged us to do just that. Woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind. What's the next word? Stayed on the Lord. That's what beholding Jesus is. Your mind, your folk, your, 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 your posture, the posture of your heart, it's fixed on Jesus. Meaning that you know that uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that you are who Jesus says you are, regardless if you have coffee or don't have coffee. You are who Jesus says you are, regardless if you have all the things in the world, all the money in the world, or if you got bills and debt. Woke up this morning with my fitzed on Jesus, fitzed on Jesus, stayed on Jesus. And when I was thinking, when I, when he reminded me of that, there I am working. I'm just like, woke up this morning with my, oh, got the magazine rolled out and playing the drums on that, stayed on Jesus. And then it hit me. I was like, wait, that's beholding. I'm like, oh, all those years ago, Lord, we were singing about beholding and didn't realize it. Like, ah. Bless those cows' hearts. They probably scare out of their mind. I'm like, ah! 
And then, of course, I'm preaching myself happy. Ah, Lord, we was beholding and didn't know we was beholding the one we should have been beholding. Ah, yeah. I be having, I, sometimes I'll preach them cows. I'm like, you hear me? We beholding your creator. Yeah. Let's go. Come on, cows. Come on, chickens. Yeah, do I have a witness? Hey, you got to make them 10 hours pass. You got to make them 10 hours pass. But just because the fast is over doesn't mean that you stop beholding Jesus. Just because we're done seeking, you know, you're not done seeking God. Let me say this. One. God's not done seeking you. He's not done seeking you. Well, I didn't really fast. Okay, that's cool. Guess what? You had the rest of your life to seek the Lord. Start today. Start today. Don't just let the only time you see God is when we're singing. Come and behold him. Isn't he fascinating? In order to sing that, you got to you got to have the you got to take the opportunity to find him fascinating. Amen. You got to take the opportunity to say, OK, Lord, we sing about it. Pastor Lindsay was preaching about it. Show me how fascinating you are. I, if you don't get anything else, put this in your prayer time. Put this in your prayer conversation. Lord, show me how fascinating you are. As you changing diapers, Lord, show me how fascinating you are. As you cooking food, as you heating up chicken nuggets, as you heating up pizza, show me how fascinating you are. As, as you're pumping gas, Lord, show me how fascinating you are. As you're shopping at the grocery store, Lord, show me how captivating you are. And he's going to show you what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says. It says that you were created before the fall of man. You were created before the foundations of the world. You and you've been redeemed to that state. And when you say, Lord, show me how fascinating you are, he's going to show you who you truly are. How you're not the sum total of your worst mistakes. I feel in church. How you're not the sum total, how you're not what your insecurities say you are. How you, how you are not who you truly are on the worst day of your life. But he's going to show you that on your best day, you're a child of God. He's going to show you on your worst day that you are a child of God. He's going to show you that every day is a good day. You want to know why? Because you're so blessed. Why are you so blessed? One, you have a heart beating in your chest. It doesn't matter about the rest. Why? Because as long as you have Jesus. And, it, and we're not just saying as long as you have just one individual. No, Jesus is. Hebrews chapter 1 says that the very molecules that holds that seat that you're sitting in is him he's in the middle of the very molecules that holds the world together and when we say lord show me how fascinating you are he's going to show you all that he's going to blow your mind and what's going to happen is you're going to be like god you did all you do all this for me on the daily basis why and he's going to say because you are my son because you are my daughter Jesus literally said that what, what, you know, what uh, an earthly father, a good earthly father will give his son good gifts. How much more will our heavenly father do for us? And when we say, Lord, how, show me how fascinating you are. See, just because the fast is over doesn't mean you stop putting trust and confidence in him. Just because the fast is over doesn't mean you stop letting him be the navigator. Somebody say navigator. See, me and Kelsey, we, when we went to Memphis, we're driving around there. I don't like driving around Memphis. I'm just going to be honest. I don't like driving around Memphis. I prefer driving around Nashville. Now, I know Nashville better. I'm a little more safer. Yes, it's a city. Yes, there's still crime. All that stuff. I, I just I know my way around that. Memphis, I, I'm all business. I ain't playing. 
how you play. The boys trying to talk to her, we are in Memphis. Put your tablets on, put the headphone, plug them, and you play them, and do not ask me something until I give you a command. Like, there is no jokes while we're in Memphis, man. And as we're driving around trying to find different places, she's giving me instructions. She's, she's, you know, Siri's telling us, I ain't, I ain't listening to Siri. Siri could be wrong. I'm listening to Kelsey. I want Siri. Kelsey's going to listen. Siri's going to, Kelsey's going to look at the screen and she's going to tell me. At one point we're driving around, she's like, aren't you so glad you have the best navigator? And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, that's right, baby. You're a good navigator. And I'm thinking, whoa, that, wow, that, that's what the Lord wants to do with us. As he helps us navigate through life. Hey, turn here. Hey, hey, there, there's something ahead. I know you, I know you want to go down this road, but no, don't do it. There, go, go around this way. I know it's going to take longer. I know it's the high road, but the high road has less traffic. Why? Because nobody wants to travel the high road. Nobody wants to look out for other people. Everybody wants to look out for their own self. Nobody wants to love. Nobody wants to practice what the Good Samaritan practiced, which was take his enemy and place him up on a donkey, heal his wound, bandage his wounds, and pay for the lodging of his, you know, of his enemy. Nobody wants to do that, but Jesus is like, let me navigate you. Let me show you how to live this. The, the message translation literally says that, watch with me, work with me, watch how I do this life. The version we always grip with literally says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus wants to show you how to navigate as a parent. He wants to show you how to navigate as a, as a boyfriend or girlfriend, navigate as a spouse, navigate as a single person, navigate as an employee or an employer, navigate as a human being. He will show you how to do that. Lindsay, how can Jesus show me how to navigate as a human being? Because he was human. He was God in the flesh, living the same life that we have lived. And guess what? Because he has that experience, 2 Corinthians 10, 13, he can show you the way of escape. When things get overwhelming in your life, he can show you because he has experienced it. But we don't know that if we're not beholding him, if we're not like that outfielder looking at the plate. Hey, G, G oh, your word says you in this. Okay, that's how you did that. Okay, Lord, give me the strength to do that. Lindsay, you're making this seem pretty, pretty practical. It's that simple. Look at Jesus, copy and paste. Copy and paste. But it's harder than it sounds. Why? Because we live this life. Why? Because when we leave here, we're going to go eat some chicken. We're going to go eat some bacon. We're going to go drink some coffee. And what's going to happen? We're going to feel all great. And what's going to happen? We're going to feel this false sense of security. I'm talking to myself because, oh, I'm counting down the minutes, baby count down the minutes I had a sausage patty this morning oh my lord I felt the glory of the lord I was like I feel the glory of the lord sweeping in this kitchen sweeping in this kitchen I mean I couldn't the kids were yelling but I couldn't tell what they were yelling because <laughs> I was just focused on that sausage patty <laughs> it was glorious Drea said something I don't know what she said <clears throat> Cause I just spoke. Mom said something. I knew I knew it was Dad's birthday. I was able to recollect that. Hey, tell Dad happy birthday. <laughs> but outside of that, it was just me and the sausage patty. <laughs> just being honest. Just being honest. Bless me. That's right. I promise we're almost done. Verse seven. Notice how Jesus asked the servants to fill the jars up to the brim. He said, fill the jars up to the brim of water. Now, this is the same jars, the same that were used to wash the feet of people. So it wasn't like it was like, these are, it wasn't, they, they weren't clean. Jesus was about to take something that wasn't clean and transform it. 
He was about to take something that was unclean and transform it to clean. Symbolic of what he does with you. How he has washed us in the blood of the lamb. Taking our, our souls, the Bible says they were like filthy rats, ridden and full of sin and how he has cleaned them. There's not a stain on you. You are perfectly righteous when he looks at you. Symbol when, he took that, when they took that jar, that unclean jar with that unclean water, that dirty water. Anybody, anybody like drinking dirty water? Nobody likes drinking dirty water. But he's like, watch this. I can take something that is unclean, unsanitary, unholy, and, and turn it into wine. Wine, the finest of drinks. Turn it into something that literally the, the guest, the, the ceremony, uh, what the, the master ceremony said, this is the best. I'm getting ahead of my nose. This is the best I've ever tasted. But literally, the, the fact that he told them to fill it up to the brim was symbolic of that when Jesus impacts your life, there is no, there's nothing that has been with, uh, there's nothing that's been uh, not touched by his presence. There's nothing that's every nook and cranny of your life is is impacted and influenced by Jesus when you allow him to fill you to the brim. When you say, Lord, fill me, when you when you say, Lord, show me how fascinating you are, I'll show you. I'm not just going to show you just a tenth. I'm with every inch of your life. I'm going to fill it up to the brim. We used to sing, fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over guess what his desire is to do that I want to fill you up till you overflow I want to make sure that every not only you are blessed not only you are provided for not only are you transformed but everybody attached to you is transformed one of my favorite songs everything attached to me wins and I'm like I I, I son uh, there's a point in our life where we was really going through something I started singing that over I said everybody attached to me wins everybody attached to me wins everybody attached to me wins but I love that in verse eight, notice how the servers, they follow Jesus' instructions without hesitation. Maybe that, means, maybe that needs to be our mission for 2023, that we're following Jesus without hesitation. Or the big, one of the biggest uh, things we always have to get onto the boys, we'll tell them do something. And they got, they got a question. Like, hey, don't, don't save your questions for the end. Right now, daddy's told you to clean up your toys. Clean up your toys. I don't want to clean. Why do I got to clean up? You don't know what I have for you. We're about to go play basketball on TV or we're about to watch a movie. We're about to play a board game. But if you can, we can't do that if you're questioning. What is God trying to do in your life that you can't get to because we're questioning? Well, Lord, I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't think I was going to be this old and only have this many friends. Or I didn't think I was going to be like this and work this job. Or I didn't think I was going to be like this and be single or, or do this or have to jump through these hoops. Or I thought my life was going to be different. He's like, hey, stop. Just put your questions on the side and just do what I've asked you to do. Do like Mary's told the servers and whatever I'm telling you, just do it because there's something that you, something that you couldn't even fathom. Nobody at the party could fathom dirty water being, come, being transformed into wine. Nobody went to that wedding thinking, hey, this is the man, there's this guy named Jesus from Nazareth. You ever read the Gospels? Nobody believed that Jesus was from Nazareth. Why? Because they said nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nazareth was supposed to be the low of lows, the poor of poors. It was supposed to be the hood. How can somebody, how can somebody transform in wine, uh, water into wine come from Nazareth? But we're called to be, hey, hey, what's Jesus saying us to do? Whatever he's telling us to do, let's do it without hesitation. Romans 8.14, I love that, those numbers, 8.14, literally says that mature children of God are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. 
you should be I Lindsay, how are you able to remember that scripture? If you know 814, it's easy to remember. Those numbers are easy to remember. Romans 8:14. Mature children of God are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Impulses of the Holy Spirit. August 8:14. Immature. The, the, the mature children of God are able to follow. Uh, the mature children of God are those that are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, verses 9 through 11, I'll just fast forward. But according to tradition, the bridegroom provides the wine for the wedding. Therefore, Jesus prophetically fulfills the role of the bridegroom since he provided the wine. Not only was he just transforming water to wine, he was showing that, hey, I'm going to be your groom. Why? Because I'm providing the wine for your life. I'm providing the thing that takes you from one dimension to a whole other dimension. I'm doing that. Not you. Not your performance. Not your best thoughts, not your best days accumulated and, and summed up and averaged into the right number of things. No, I am. The great I am is transforming your life to look like I am. Let me close with this. The, the guest said, and like I said earlier, but the master ceremonies, he said, why would you say the best for last? That was his question to the, to the, to the, the host. Why would you say the best for last? And the Lord told me this, in Jesus, in God, in Christ, the latter is always better than the former. Church, if you truly put your confidence in him, trust and confidence in him, we said it before, at 1728, we live, we move, we have our being in him. If we truly latch on to that, guess what? Your latter will always be better than your former. I know that's a big thing, you know, when the year starts, everybody's like, this is the best year to come. It's going to be, it's going to be better than that. No, we're not doing that. What I'm saying is, if you put your trust in God, your latter will always be better than your former. Doesn't mean that it's going to look perfect. Doesn't mean that it's going to be effortless, effortless or painless or pain-free. You may have to go through things, but when you get to the other side of it, you're going to like, man, this is so much better than where, than what I used to be. May not be all the way there yet, but I'm so much better than who I used to be. I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together, but I'm better than I was 10 years ago. I'm better than I was five. I'm better than I was last year. I, I, I'm, that's not be, being cocky. Being, I know I am personally better than I was last year. Not because of anything I've done, but because I finally said, you know what, Lord? If for some reason you love me beyond words can say, so I'm just going to trust in that. And I'm going to surrender to that and allow that to transform my life. Literally the word for this year was, God wants to take this collective from water to wine. He wants to take you from one dimension to a whole nother dimension. And can I tell you this, this is one of the hardest things. Transformation is not just a 21 day process. It's not like the caterpillar going through, going through the transformation, the metamorphosis in a couple of weeks. Transform, the transformation that the Holy Spirit wants to engineer in your life is a lifelong process is a lifelong process that's why we have to keep the faith that's like that's why what pastor kill said and even granny said that's why no matter what's going on we have to this there's no better time than to believe in jesus right now there's no better time than to lock i mean the, they used to say lock horns uh lock your hands on the horns of the altar there's no better time than to grip jesus and say okay lord i'm not letting go i'm not letting go i'm not letting go I'm not letting go. Romans chapter 12, 2 says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
when he says he wants to take us from water to wine, he's saying the thoughts that you have in your mind, I want to transform your thoughts from water to wine. We read it in the very beginning of this series, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and the mirror translation literally said that the Holy Spirit engineers transformation. And the transformation that he engineers is from you going from an inferior mindset to the way you was always created to be. That's it. The way you was always created to be. Lindsay, why is that so important? Imagine if you were to, imagine if you saw yourself the same way God saw yourself. You wouldn't fall for the traps of the enemy. People tell you a rumor and it just roll off your back. Something happened at work that you didn't like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you, it wouldn't shake your whole world. As soon as you clocked out, you forget about it. Somebody look at you wrong at, at school or at work or whatever, you, you wouldn't even, you, they come in, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think twice about it. Why? Because you're focused on the way the Lord sees you. You're focused on the way the Lord sees you, amen? amen. And that's the way you're meant to live. Hey, baby. You did. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Church, the way you're meant to live, I sound super country. The way, you're meant, the way you're meant to live is a life free of shame and free of guilt. I'm going to say that one more time. Free of, sh free of shame and free of guilt. And you have that opportunity in Jesus. That's what he wants to transform you from every day of your life. You become what you behold.